You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockdownPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans drop a, what should have been a winnable game to Boston, 113-100. Really, it felt like more than that than it was, so this was a disappointing loss. We're going to recap that game. Missed the Monday podcast and the Friday podcast winner is kicking my ass and making me feel terrible with the hot, cold, hot, cold, and I just haven't had a voice to record. So we're going to make up for it here because I want to look at some of the past games for the Pelicans, particularly the game against Detroit, the game against Memphis, and the game against Clippers. And all three of those have one thing in common. They were close games. So I want to look at how the Pelicans fare in crunch time or what we've seen kind of be a trend maybe through those three games, something that needs needs to kind of get fixed right away, I think. And it ties into a larger thing that's kind of a theme right now around the Pelicans. We'll touch on that in the second segment. And then the third, we're going to talk about what the Pelicans want to avoid, which is what's going on with the Chicago Bulls. If you haven't heard that, I'll give you my thoughts on that story because it is certainly a wild one, as well as give you guys a DeMarcus Cousins and the Warriors update. So a bunch to talk about here in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So going into the game against the Boston Celtics on Monday night, the Pelicans look to be catching a break. There would be no Kyrie Irving, no Gordon Hayward, no Jabari Bird, Yabusele, Al Horford, or Aaron Baines for this Boston Celtics team. That's basically four key contributors for him and put up a very small lineup against Anthony Davis and this Pelicans team. But if you watched the game, you saw it didn't really work out in the Pelicans' favor as they fell 113-100, a game where the Boston Celtics led by as many as 22 points. Anthony Davis put up a good stat line in this one. It was 41 points on the night, but just seven rebounds. Uh, did have four steals, so that's great. He was 17 of 34 from the field, so pretty good shooting night from him. But didn't nearly feel as impactful as you would have liked. In my Wednesday Locked On NBA co-host John Corrales said it on Twitter where he goes, I never would have guessed Anthony Davis had 40 without looking at the box score. The numbers look great, but I never felt like he dominated. I never felt that, oh shit, Davis is a problem feeling. And I think that's echoed by many Pelicans fans in this one that he had a good game. He, he started off hot, kind of drifted away as Robert Williams the Time Lord, if you want to go by his nickname, um, for the Boston Celtics, had a very strong game against him, defending him. Williams, by the way, seven points on the night, 11 rebounds. He had three blocks as well. So in fewer minutes than AD did, he had a better rebounding night. And his defense was key. Blocked AD at the rim at one point, kept him away from the basket. So AD, with the 41 points, I think the main reason it didn't necessarily feel as impactful is, while a lot of those points came into the paint, they were on long, not long jumpers, but short-range 
jumpers, I should say, that are in the paint but aren't still the most effective shot. He wasn't really getting to the rim at will like we've seen him do in the past. Maybe it's the hip injury that he was dealing with. He was originally listed as questionable after taking a knee from Blake Griffin uh, on Sunday night against the Detroit Pistons. So maybe he just couldn't have that explosiveness, the push-off, whatever it was. But he didn't necessarily get to the rim and score that way until kind of late in the third, start of the fourth quarter when he started cooking a little bit again. But by then, the game was out of hand. The Pelicans in this one actually only put up 50 points in the paint. They did lose this one, though, because the rest of the starting cast didn't show up whatsoever. Solomon Hill in 20 minutes, just three points. Julius Randle had 20 in 28 minutes. He had 11 boards. He was at least kind of impactful out there. Drew Holiday only took 10 shots in this one, finished with seven points, six assists, along with four turnovers on the night. He only had one rebound. You've got to get a better night than that from Drew Holiday. And that comes one night after he put up 37 one shy of his career high against the Pistons. So kind of disappointing to see him have a very, very quiet game. Nikola Mirotic only played seven minutes in this one, hurt his ankle, sat out the second half. Alvin Gentry said after the game, they're going to rest him till he's fully healthy. He's been trying to play through this ankle injury for a while. Just hasn't been the type of player that he wants to be. You could see his shot was a little bit off. It took four threes in this one, only made one of them, and just didn't do much else in it. Finished with three points on the night. Tim Frazier actually outscored. Drew Holiday in this one, eight points from him, 10 assists. That's at least decent, but no one else really showed up to play. It was kind of the Anthony Davis show doing what he could, and maybe one of the reasons he didn't feel as impactful is because you didn't really see the rest of the cast show up to make this game close, and then you'd be like, oh my God, AD in a win put up 41 against the Boston Celtics. Wasn't meant to be. The defense really struggled in this one, allowing the Boston Celtics to get to the rim pretty much at ease at times. Guys just sliced through their defense like Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris. Tatum finished with 21 on the night, Marcus Morris 31 on the night. You had uh, Jalen Brown with 19 off the bench, Terry Rozier with 10 in the starting lineup, Semi Ojale with 11 off the bench as well, and then of course Robert Williams with 7. Basically the depth that the Celtics have despite losing all of those guys really hurt the Pelicans. So did their rebounding. The Pelicans just got worked on the boards in this one. 39 total rebounds for the Pelicans compared to 51 for the Boston Celtics. 17 second chance points for Boston compared to just seven for New Orleans. It's not going to get done that way. And the Pelicans just kind of drop a game, which going into it seemed like they really might be able to win. They did a good job limiting the turnovers. 13 on the night, only 15 turnover points for the Boston Celtics. But again, when you're getting out-rebounded like that, the battle of second-chance points isn't going your way. And you shoot a woeful 30% from the... um, uh, sorry, from the three-point line and 44.8% overall, you're going to lose. You got outshot, you got out-rebounded, and basically out-defensed, I guess, is a way to put it, too. Yeah, you're going to lose this game, and the Pelicans did, and it's unfortunate because I think this one on the surface, again, Boston's a deep team, but on the surface, this is a bunch of backups in the starting lineup, and the Pelicans have Drew Holiday, they have Anthony Davis, they have Julius Randle out there. You've got to get better games from some of those guys. I don't know if you can necessarily ask for much more from Anthony Davis, but just kind of a weird thing, and just not a good game. Pels lose over their last Eight or nine, I forget which one it is. They've alternated wins and losses, so they now drop 
on the season to 14 and 15, a game below 500. So before we get into the crunch time woes and a lot of the frustration from things like that kind of being directed towards Anthony Davis fair or unfair, do you want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat this winter. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat to you, basically via heating panels. More or less, it's a heated car seat, but just wrapped around your body. It can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. The batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Action Heat clothing is perfect for any friend or family member on your holiday shopping list or just that person in the office who gets freezing cold every single day, even in the summer. It's great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors and hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body. They've got jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even heated undergarments like base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's, and they've got great new styles for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid uh, frigid winter temperatures. And we've got a special deal just for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on. That's actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. Again, that's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all your outdoor winter activities with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring Locked On Pelicans. So we're going to do some time traveling here. I've actually got two laptops open because I have so many damn windows open as I record this. Um, And we're going to go back to last Monday's game against the Clippers, that three-point loss, 129-116. Let's look at the fourth quarter because the Pelicans have struggled late in games, and this is going to lead to some larger criticism that I think we've been hearing. not, Not will lead, has been leading and building up to some larger criticism of Anthony Davis that we've seen over the past four or five games or so. So going back to the Clippers game, fourth quarter, Anthony Davis plays eight minutes, 47 seconds in that one. He takes three shot attempts, and that's it in a close game. Drew Holiday takes 10. Darius Miller takes three. Julius Randle takes two. Those are the people who took more than one. AD is your star. He is your stud, your main guy. He needs to be taking more than three shots. Finishes with five points in the quarter. Sorry, three points. No, five points. There it is. Five points in the quarter. That's it. They get another close game on Friday against the Memphis Grizzlies. In the fourth quarter, Anthony Davis takes four shots. He played six minutes, 45 seconds. You'll remember this game because the Pelicans were winning late. They had an eight-point lead, and nothing went right for them at the end of the game. Will Guillory of The Athletic tweeted out their final 11 possessions they missed all of the shot attempts that they took. And when they went to the line, they were one of two. So they missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They missed nine shot attempts and were three of six from the line. 
You're not going to win very many games when that's your execution down the stretch. And of those nine shot attempts that they had, one, two, three, four, five, six of them were three-point attempts. That's not really what you want late in games. You want to be working your way towards the basket and scoring that way. So when you see Anthony Davis late in that fourth quarter not getting the ball and not going below the three-point line or not going below the free throw line, I think that's a very frustrating thing for fans to see. He looks disengaged at the end of some of these games, and I think that's building towards this frustration that's kind of being unleashed towards him right now. So he finished that quarter with just two points. Again, this is your go-to guy. Guy, the guy you need being the one or that you need leading you to victory. And he just simply hasn't been doing it. Against the Pistons, 10 minutes, 20 seconds in the fourth quarter of a close game, a game the Pelicans won 116-108 that they finally put away a little bit later. In the fourth quarter, again, AD takes four shot attempts. That's it. Three points on the night um, in that fourth period. He's not the guy who's closing games out, and he should be. And there's times when he's not even getting below the free throw line or going inside the three-point line or even getting anywhere near the paint. Some of this has to do, particularly in that Pistons game, with how easily some other guys were scoring, like Drew Holiday, when he got the ball and just ran down and scored. And he doesn't need to get below the free throw line. He also needs to clear out a little bit for Julius Randle when Randle's working and he's been kind of cooking the past handful of games. But he is being very passive. And look... He's a big. He needs someone else to get him the ball. It's not like he can do it himself. But there needs to be talk with him demanding it. And that's a thing that he should be doing. Or the coaching staff figuring out, like, why isn't he getting the ball? Something like that. Because I think that's leading to a lot of kind of these issues where it just seems like he's not really into it. And this is valid criticism of Anthony Davis during this time because it's leading to losses. You see him not being nearly as impactful as you would like or that you feel he could. Could be. And it's causing a lot of fan sentiment to kind of uh, turn against Anthony Davis and levy a lot of criticism at him, which is fair to do, by the way. No one's kind of above the criticism or shouldn't be criticized. I think some of this might be because people are kind of worried he's going to end up leaving. So if you start to hate him now, it makes it easy if he does end up leaving. But that's really not on the table right now. They're certainly not trading him this year. I think a lot of it has to do with frustration from because. Base I and plenty of other people said this is a more talented Pelicans team on the court right now than there was at the end of last season, the team that swept the Portland Trailblazers, yet they are a game below 514-15, unable to gain any real traction in the Western Conference. When the expectations were that high, it's going to be a problem, and I don't think it's fair to compare this December Pelicans right now and November Pelicans to last year's November and December Pelicans because they're two entirely different teams. This team more closely resembles the one that did beat the Portland Trailblazers in the first round of the playoffs, and they're not even remotely playing like that. So the frustration builds, and you're starting to see it, and when Anthony Davis doesn't really have the feeling in games that you've liked to have seen from him or he's not moving as much and some of it I'm sure has to do with injuries and the season's really starting to get into its grind so it becomes a little bit tougher yeah fans are going to turn and they have every right to by the way on this kind of thing disappointing to see disappointing that the Pelicans season is kind of going this way but it's still too early to write them off but again these losses do matter now as I've said you know maybe the best case scenario here is going to be that 
you know, this Pelicans team at the end of the year is better than what their record indicates. That does you no good when you've got a very bad matchup in the first round of the playoffs and you get swept out of there or you lose in five games or hell, even if you lose in seven games. A first round exit is not what this team is looking for and that'll be considered a down season. So I think that's where a lot of this frustration is building from with everything. So we'll see how it goes. They need to kind of turn this around. You know, the Celtics a couple of about a week or so ago now had a game against the Pelicans where they had a big turning point and the Pelicans still have not gotten that and they desperately need it. As soon as they do, you'll start to see this team reel off some wins. But right now, too much inconsistency, just not enough in a lot of different ways from this team. And a lot of it's being pointed at Anthony Davis, some of it rightfully so, some of it maybe is a little bit kind of uh, over the top, let's say, but it is still fair to do that. He's not above that, despite 41-point games against the Boston Celtics. So before we talk about two of the bigger stories here around the NBA, one of which is hilarious and maybe makes us feel better about what's going on with the Pelicans, there's just it, constant drama and soap opera-like stuff, and it makes the NBA so much fun. And the best way to follow that is through the Locked On NBA podcast. And of course, on Wednesdays, I co-host with the hosts of Locked On Celtics, John Corrales, where we have a lot of fun on there. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA, particularly on Wednesday, but Monday through Friday as well. We've got Ben Golliver, Sam Amick, of the Washington Post and the Athletic, respectively, as regular guests on there. It's some of the best insight around the NBA, just catching you up quickly on everything you need to know. So again, make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On NBA. So quick update before the Chicago Bulls story on DeMarcus Cousins. He's going to be practicing with their Santa Cruz Warriors G League team getting set to eventually make his debut back in the NBA after the injury that he suffered with the Pelicans last year and then the whole contract drama this offseason. Probably still won't be until the new year, but he's getting closer and closer to a return, worth noting here for Pelicans fans. Don't know if that makes you feel good or bad, but look, we never want injuries, and it's kind of nice to see him at least getting back to being an NBA player and getting on the court and just doing what's best for his career there. So that out of the way, the funny story of the week, which is just pure, again, soap opera level drama that's pretty fun, is the Chicago Bulls. We talked about Fred Hoiberg being fired and Jim Boylan being uh, promoted to head coach, not interim head coach, but just head coach, no interim label there. And it sounds like they're going to keep him there next year. And it sounds like he had a mandate from ownership, the guard packs, the, the owner GM combo. And they need to change the culture of this organization, of this franchise. And he tried to go about it. You know, the the Bulls get off to a, a competitive loss to start his tenure, then beat the Thunder in a surprising, very close game, and then lost by, what was it, 57 to the Celtics, I think on Friday or Saturday, whatever day it was. Gross, gross loss where he did two full-on five-man subs where he took all five starters out in the second um, or first, it was the first, they were down 17 nothing. he subbed all five guys out, which is usually seen as kind of a disrespectful thing. And then in the third quarter, when they were down 23, after a 5-3 to three run, which is not that bad, two-point difference, for the Boston Celtics, he subbed all five out again, and they didn't play the rest of the game. They watched the rest of the game from the bench. Supposedly after that, they asked him about it, and he said something like, yeah, Popovich does this, so like, why, sh why shouldn't I? And it works. And... Ignoring the fact that he's not Popovich, that's going to come back in this story too. 
And then, you know, said like this way he could get a big practice with the team the next day, you know, despite the fact that they've got back-to-backs in there and everything. So he wanted to run a two-and-a-half-hour practice, which he'd already done twice with these guys. And that just doesn't fly with NBA players. They just played a back-to-back. You don't want to practice for two-and-a-half hours. So a big group text started going around with the players saying, we should just not even show up tomorrow or we should show up and then just walk out. And, you know, I think... That's probably not the best way to do it. Eventually, they showed up, and instead of practicing, they decided to meet amongst themselves for an hour. Just a players-only meeting. After that, they met with Boylan and the rest of the coaching staff for another hour, where things got aired. And Boylan says, well, Popovich does this. The Spurs do this with the five-man subs. And someone pointed at him and said, well, you're, sh- you're not Greg Popovich, so that's not going to work. That's kind of a level of trust and respect that's earned that the new head coach of a team in the middle of the season does not have. So this is a disaster off the bat because then Boylan came out and said, hey, you know, I was the one that called the meeting and I canceled practice. And then the player said, no, we, we decided not to practice and called a players only meeting. So there's kind of just him trying to make himself look better. And then the players just say, no, that's not the case and not what happened. Then the head coach, Boylan, said that he wasn't actually going to make him practice and that, of course, after a back-to-back, if he does call practice, he can manage their legs and make sure they don't get too tired and was going to basically, I don't know, pull a fast one on the Bulls team and be like, oh, by the way, we're not actually going to practice. That is not the way to build trust. Yes, I agree that the players should trust the coach, but when you've been there basically two weeks less than that, they probably don't trust you yet as the head coach, I guess. He's been there longer than that. And that is a move you can pull when you have the trust of the players, which is clearly not what he has, so he thinks he's farther along than he truly is. All of this is to say, at least the Pelicans aren't in this spot. The Bulls did lose to the Kings last night. Coming off of the court, the Kings players were jokingly saying, oh, now they're going to have to practice two and a half hours tomorrow, knowing the situation, and that the Bulls are getting clowned on by the Kings, a team that's basically been just the biggest joke of an organization over the past couple of years. So it is a basic disaster there. We'll see on what's going to happen. Teams have been calling about Justin Holiday, some of the other players there. I don't know if the Bulls are going to end up trading them. They do have a nice little bit of a young core that I think they want to kind of develop and see where it goes and see if maybe uh, Boylan can kind of get their buy-in and turn this season around or franchise around. Man, just a complete disaster there. So if you needed some bright side of the sun kind of news here, silver linings, well, it's that the Bulls are not in, or sorry, the Pelicans are not in a Bulls type situation. So at least that's good. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully I didn't cough too much throughout the podcast. And of course, as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.